I'm happy to be able to share with you today. So many of you say, Verna, why don't you speak more? And it's, I talk all the time. Ask my husband. I talk all the time. But uh, it's not because he doesn't ask me. It just takes a lot for me to do it. In fact, uh, I didn't really consent to today, but they put me on the schedule. And uh, so I saw my name on the schedule, and they said, no choice, you're speaking on Mother's Day. So I'm happy to do that. Happy Mother's Day to all of you here today, to those of you that are uh, natural mothers and spiritual mothers. We salute you. But I also know for some, today is sometimes a sad day, whether you've lost a child or you've lost your mother or you're yearning to be a mother or you don't have a good relationship with your mother, sometimes a day like this can be tough. But my prayer has been through the worship and through the ministry of God's word that your heart will find hope today and healing because that's the power of God's word. Amen. Amen. Before I start, I, I want to remind you of a story in Mark chapter 10. It's the story of blind Bartimaeus. We call him blind Bartimaeus, but the end of the story, he's just Bartimaeus. And he was on the roadside, by, by the roadside, and there was a great crowd there, and uh, they were all gathered because Jesus was coming their way. And there was a lot of commotion and a lot of uh, activity. And Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, had heard that Jesus was coming, and he knew that his deliverance was on its way. And so he began to cry out amidst all the noise and all the trouble. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the religious people told him to sit down and to be quiet. But you know, when you want something from God, you go after it. And the Bible tells us he yelled all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus turned to him, not because the man had just cried out, but because he had cried in faith. If it was just our crying that got things done, well, we'd see a lot more done. But the just live by faith, and it's faith that pleases God. So when blind Bartimaeus cried out in faith, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he caught the ear of Jesus. And Jesus stopped. And he looked at blind Bartimaeus and he said, what would you have me do for you today? And you know what? I totally, with all of my heart, believe that Jesus is in this room. He's walking up and down these aisles, and he's saying to all of you, what would you have me to do for you today? And as you sit here today, I pray that you will release those things to Jesus. If you need healing, tell them, ask them. If you need deliverance in your life, ask them. If you need to just release the regret in your life, maybe you haven't been the mom you think you should be, Jesus is here today for you. And maybe you haven't been the father you should be, Jesus is here today for you. And maybe you haven't been the teenager you should be. Maybe you've denied Jesus and, no, I'm not a Christian. You know what? Jesus is here today for you too. And when, when blind Bartimaeus heard Jesus' invitation, he said to Jesus, Jesus, 
Let me have my sight. And Jesus turned to him and said to him, go your way. Your faith in me has made you whole. And Bartimaeus received his sight. And you know, Jesus wants you today to leave whole as well. And so what do you need from him? Nothing is too small. Nothing is too big. This is God we're talking about. You're his children. So what do you need from him today? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment and time that we have here with you, with all these people. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you lead us and that you guide us because you hold the thoughts, the intents, and the purposes of the Father's heart. So I just declare that the will of God will be done today, Father, that your word will go forth and it'll fall on good ground. And these people here today in this building and watching from home, their hearts will be good ground to receive your word and it will produce life for them, Father. I pray that they won't be forgetful hearers but they will be doers of your word because the blessing is in the doing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. Well, before I get started today, I wanna give you my title because it's important. Listen to your mother. (laughs) Listen to your mother. And so I thought today, since we don't just have mothers and women in here, we have men in here and people of all ages, I decided today that I was going to address you as your mother and that you are all my children today. And so I'm going to talk to you from my mother's heart to you, all my children. But I want to start out by saying, listen to your mother, okay? My mother told me, she always used to tell me, Verna, you were always the last one to leave the classroom at school. She said, I would wait outside all the time for you. And because she said, I had to button everybody's coat and put everybody's boots on and their hats and their mittens and that I wouldn't leave the classroom until everybody was settled. And so from the beginning of time, God gave me a mother's heart. I know to some of you, it's very annoying. I'm sorry. It's the way I'm wired. Uh, I see everything from a mother's perspective And that's why it's important for me today that you listen to your mother, okay? (laughs) I love um, a quote from the former first lady, Barbara Bush, when she addressed the graduates at Wesley College. Wellesley College, she said this, as important as your obligations as a doctor, a lawyer, or a business leader will be, you are a human being first. And it's those human connections with spouses and children and friends that are most important investments you will ever make. At the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, not winning one more verdict, or not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a child, a friend, or a parent. She went on to say that our success as a society depends not on what happens in the White House, but what is happening inside of your house. The first thing, when when I was preparing this message for you today, the first thing I really felt like God was saying to me, to say to you, all my children, that all hearts must come home. All hearts 
must come home. You say to me, Verna, what are you talking about? We've been cooped up in our house. We've been home for over a year now. Enough of us being home. We want to get out of here. But that's not what the Lord is saying. You could be home physically, but your heart be far from it. And so he's calling us, all of our heart, all of our attention, back home. Proverbs 24, 3 says, through skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, and a family is built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. And by knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. That's one of the first scriptures I memorized when I got married because I saw in this scripture that it was going to take three things to build a house. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. You know, as the days go by, our lives become busier. They become much more complicated. And I want to tell you today as my family that successful homes don't just happen. It takes every bit of combined talent and desire and effort and vision and determination to have a healthy home. And you know what? Things that you really, really care about, you will take the time to give attention to. And I know we can all think of areas in our life that are really important to us that we give attention to. But this morning, God is saying, I want all hearts to come home today. See, there must be a press in our lives, a press to get our priorities straight, and then a press to keep those priorities in place. 2 Timothy 1.5 is one of my favorite scriptures. It's the Apostle Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And Timothy is going through a very, very challenging time, not only as a man, but as a leader. And this is what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. As I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line, it began with your grandmother, Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother, Eunice. And it's clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. He was encouraging Timothy. Look, I know the faith of your grandmother and I know the faith of your mother and I know what's on the inside of you and you're gonna come through this. You see, it's not just about you. You making the right decisions to give your family priority is not just about you. It's about generations that are to come. You choosing life today filters down into the generations that are coming after you. And we must be intentional about our family life, especially in this day and age where everything, everything is pulling against the family, the health of our children, and, and even the health of our churches. And we must be on guard and bring all of our hearts home. My grandmother, my Nani Cavallo, is my mother's mother. It's a picture of her here. This is my sweet grandmother here, my grandfather. And uh, this is my mother right here. She went to heaven about six and a half years ago at the age of 92. She was the oldest. These are all her siblings. This is my Aunt Lil. She was the baby. She just went to heaven last month. And uh, I have one uncle left. That's Uncle Ralph. And I believe he's about 90, 91 right now. 
Um, but this is my grandmother here, and this, this is my mother. My grandmother was born in Italy. She was an Italian immigrant when she came to America. And uh, several years ago, my family found a journal of hers that she had written in, and it was all in Italian. And one of my aunts transcribed it. And I want to share some of, with, some of it with you today because I believe it helps my point to point out to you that unless we are all intentional, things don't just happen. So bear with me for a minute or so while I read this to you. She says, I, Olympia Cabazzoli, born in the province of Salerno, was born in the month of January 12th, 1898. I came to America in the year of 1912. I remember the little town where I spent my childhood and I was very happy. When I came to America, I cried and I cried for my friends, my childhood friends, and for the little town where I spent my childhood. I cried for my school and my friends which I left behind, but that's how life is. I then began to work since my father couldn't find a job. I put it into my mind to help the family along. My mother was almost always sick. I had a baby brother, but right after he was born, he died. I had three other brothers, but they all died, and I was the only child left to live. At the age of 22, I was working in a sewing factory, and there for the first time, I received the testimony that Jesus saves. And not knowing how my mother and father would accept the words of the Lord, I would go home at night very happy, telling them all the things that had been told me. I was very happy, but not so with my father and mother. They thought I would turn to Protestantism, and so my father went to the factory where I worked, and he had my seat changed. I was engaged to be married, and in a short while, I married my husband. I'd never been to the church, and in a little while, I didn't see or hear that woman anymore. We, we were married in the Roman Catholic Church, and once in a while, my husband and I would attend church on Sunday, but the functions of the Mass seemed so strange to me, as if I had never been there, although I was raised and born as a Roman Catholic. I was seeking the salvation of my soul. I was not happy or peaceful. And in my heart, the words that Jesus saved had taken root. But not knowing anyone, I remained like that. But God's word was growing in my heart. I had two children, Emily, which was my mother, and Rudolph. One day, I met a woman. She was very much against the woman in the factory that had told me about Jesus. And after we exchanged greetings, I asked about this sister, and she answered, Olympia, do you remember how much I was against her? Well, it was the truth. The Lord has saved me and filled me with the Holy Spirit. I can't write about the pain I felt at that moment. I said, Lord, how is it that you saved and baptized her, was so against you, and you have forsaken me? I went home crying along the way, not caring who saw me. And at home, I knelt down and I cried and I cried. My little children, seeing me cry, began to cry also. That, that would have been my mother crying with her. And we all three were crying. And I was asking, oh Lord, where can I go to hear your word? 
Open up the way for me, Lord. Then for several years, I attended church on Saturday nights for there was a service. The Lord has been good to me. I obeyed the Lord in water baptism in October of 1927. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, September 22nd, 1929. Blessed be the name of the Lord, my Savior. I have put my trust in him, and my hope is to do his will until the end. I'm not going to relate how it was when my husband saw that I had changed religions, because if we're going to serve and follow the Lord, each one of us must carry our cross with patience. But little by little, he got over it but I wasn't completely happy. I kept praying that God would save the members of my family, and the Lord did. He saved my mother, who had been so against this way. Then he saved my children, Emily, Joe, Ernest, and Lillian. Praise the name of the Lord for all he has done for me and for the strength and courage he has given me to put up with things with patience. The Lord has been with me. How can I ever forget all that he has done? On August 1963, I had the misfortune of losing my husband. It was heartbreak for me. I cried, and I cried all the night and all the day. I cried, for when one loses a loved one, the heart is broken, and the pain is great. I prayed that God would give me strength and courage to stand this. My husband was a good worker. He was very good to me and his children. He did all he possibly could to teach you to be honest, to love everyone, not to start an argument with other people, to pay your debts to everybody. And I, as your mother, say, follow your father in being good to all and work honestly for yourselves, your children, and God will bless you. This, of course, is her talking to her children. Love one another and never go in anger, but with calm, remembering that good always wins over with evil. Remember your father with respect. He was a good man and a worker. And raise your children in the fear of the Lord and correct them when it is necessary. Today, the 28th of March, it is seven months since my husband died. It's hard to remember some things. My life has been a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. But I remember only the great joy when the Lord came to abide in my heart. May his name be praised now and forever. And she closes with this old hymn. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. I read this to you today because if my little Italian grandmother did not make a decision to press and to go after God, my mother wouldn't have known about Jesus. And if my mother didn't know, I wouldn't know. And if I didn't know, my children wouldn't know. And if they didn't know, my grandchildren wouldn't know. And so I say that to you today, that the decisions you make today don't just affect you. They affect generations. And to have a good... To have a good, healthy, godly family, there has to be a press. Bring our hearts back home as the Lord is asking us to today. Simplify Focus on what really matters. Build on the righteous foundation 
with principles that work. Build your lives and your families on timeless truths, which are the word of God. Bring your heart back home. If you don't, there is an enemy seeking anybody he can devour. God is not asking any one of us to be perfect in life. That's impossible. But he's asking us to be present. To be present with him. To be present with our family. To be intentional about the direction our family should be going. And to have a godly vision for our families. The second thing I want to say to you today is something that we raised our children on. And for those of you that don't know, my children are parents. So my son's 42, he's up in production. My daughter's right here, she's 41. Four of my grandchildren are here today and Mia is up in production serving with her dad. Hi Mia Grace, I love you. But this is what we would say to our children. Others may, you may not. Others may, you may not. And I say this to you today, my spiritual children. Others may, but you may not. You aren't just anybody. You're sons and daughters of the king. You're called to live a high life, a higher way of living. Others may waste their lives and act like fools, but not you. Others may, but you may not. Daughters, don't give yourselves away to any man before time. You are valuable. You are precious. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you. He's got a great plan for you. Others may, but you may not. Sons, don't act foolishly and fall to peer pressure. You're a man of God. Hold your head high. Others might succumb to the pressure, but not you. Others may, you may not. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, created and designed by God to fulfill a purpose and a plan. You're not like anybody else. You can't act like anybody else. And the choices that you make today either lead you to the high life or lead you to a low life. Matthew 10, 39 tells us, whoever finds his life will lose it the higher life. And whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it and live the higher life. So what's the lower life? The lower life is anything that pulls you away from all the benefits of salvation. Anything that is beneath the rights and benefits of salvation purchased for you will do nothing but lead you to a lower life. So what's the higher life? The higher life, Ephesians 1.3 tells us, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, church, listen, my family, you were created for greatness. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he made everything beautiful in its time. He's also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds, a divinely implanted sense of purpose, working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Do you understand the impact of this scripture? 
Each one of you, before you were thought of, before you were born, God had you in mind and in you, he implanted a seed, a seed of destiny to be great and do great and to impact your world and to affect a generation. In you is greatness planted by God himself. And then it goes on to say a sense of purpose. If there's anything this generation is missing, it's a sense of purpose. The devil has worked hard to steal the identity of our children and to confuse them. He has worked hard to, to devalue a generation, making them feel like they're nothing and nobody and they can't do anything. When all along, God has put seeds of greatness in all of you, in every single one of you. And he goes on to say that nothing under the sun, but God alone will satisfy. A man won't satisfy that. A woman won't satisfy that. Money won't satisfy that. Uh, the right car or the right house won't satisfy that. That corner office in downtown Boston in that corporate building, it's not going to satisfy that. Nothing under the sun, but God and God alone can satisfy each one of us. And you were born and you were put on this earth for greatness. Others may, but you may not. Next time you see a friend getting ready to make a wrong choice, I give you permission to point your little finger in their face and say, others may, you may not. The third thing I want to say to you today is this, my precious family, and I don't want you to forget this. This is the one thing we all must do, and that is this. Fight. Fight for your family. Fight for your family. The story of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the Jerusalem walls is such a great story. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down, and that is a reproach to a city, they were vulnerable. They were open to enemies because they had no walls. And so they were open to any attack of the enemy and for all evil to come upon their city. When Nehemiah saw the condition of the city that he loved and that it had no walls and no security, he wept and he wept. And sometimes I feel like that weeping over you and your families and the brokenness that's happening in your homes. Nehemiah gathered the people together. He wept over the condition of Jerusalem, and he was angry at the destruction that had taken place, and he asked God for strength. God, give me strength to build these walls. And you know what? That's what we should be saying. God, give me strength to fight for my family. God, give me strength to persevere till I see your word manifest in my home. The people came together and the Bible says they had a heart and a mind to work and they began to work rebuilding those walls. The enemy harassed them. And Nehemiah, he called all the people together. And in Nehemiah 4.14, he says this. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the leaders and the people, and I said to them, don't be afraid. 
Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Fight for your friends. Fight for your family and fight for your home. Notice it doesn't say fight with your family. That's easy. That's easy to fight with your family. And I think we probably all would agree we do way too much of that. But he says, fight for your family. And then in verse 17, he says, those who were building the wall and those who carried loads did their work with one hand and held something to fight with, with their other hand. Verse 18, and all the builders had a sword belted to their side and the trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Work with one hand and fight with your other hand. Well, how do we do that? Yeah, we work with one hand, but what's the tool that is in our other hand? It's the word of the living God. It's the word of God. This is the sword of the spirit, and this is what we fight with. And how do we fight for our families? We fight for our families on our knees in prayer. We go about life and we work with one hand, but we fight with the sword of the spirit in our other hand. And then the the rest of that scripture says, and the trumpeter, all the builders had a sword belted to their side and the trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. I believe that trumpeter is the Holy Spirit himself. You got the sword of the spirit in your hand, fighting your way through life and fighting for your family and fighting for the promises of God to be manifest in your life and in your body and in your home. And then you have the alarm of the Holy Spirit who is always warning us and encouraging us and keeping us from trouble and saying, go this way, not that way. Stop what you're doing and pray for your son. Stop what you're doing and pray for your daughter. The alarm of the Holy Spirit Spirit and the word of God is how we fight for our families. We work with one hand and the sword of God's word as a weapon in our other hand. Listen, we have his name. We've been given his name to use. We have the word of God, which he exalts about his name, above his name. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you always have God's ear. You always have God's ear in prayer. Isaiah 59, one says, the Lord hasn't lost his power, powerful strength. He can still hear and answer prayers. Another translation says, look, the Lord's power is enough to serve you. He can hear you when you ask him for help. God is listening to you people, my family, God is listening to your prayers. His ear is not deaf to you. His ear is not closed to your cries of faith in your petitions, in those prayers that you bring to him. He can hear you. And when you ask for help, he's there to help you. Fight for your family in prayer. You may ask yourself, Marina, what's that chair doing over here, sitting over there? Oh, What? There he is. This is my sweet mama right here. She, many of you remember her. Uh, She went home to be with Jesus six and a half years ago. And you say, what is this chair over here? This is my mother's chair. 
This was her prayer chair. She spent thousands of hours in this chair praying for me, for our family, for all of you. Her refrigerator was covered with pictures from top to bottom and the sides. It was covered in pictures because hundreds of you gave her pictures of your family so she would pray for your families and she did faithfully. So this was her prayer chair. It's now my prayer chair. I hope you have a prayer chair too. And I thought on this Mother's Day, the best gift I could give to you and in honor of my mother is to pray for you, my church family, from her chair. Would you stand with me for a moment, please? Is this helping anybody today? I know it's a little emotional for me. I didn't. After, after the first service, I didn't think I had any more tears left, but here they come again. They just keep doing that. It's my mother's chair. I didn't care about anything else when she went to heaven. I just wanted her prayer chair. Would you let me pray for you today from my mother's heart to all of you, my spiritual children who I love dearly. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these precious people today. Father, I know, I know you're calling all hearts home today to be present, all hearts home. You're asking us to fight for our families, Father. And the only way we can do that is in prayer. We will not give up. We will not let go of your promises. And Father, I pray for my family here at IFC, every one of these precious people here or those that are watching from home. I extend my love and my faith to them. And I surround them with my love and my prayers, Father. Father, I speak peace over them. I speak protection. I speak prosperity and joy, Father. I speak fulfillment and contentment doing the will of God. Father, I speak that they would have focus and be intentional about living their lives and fulfilling their purpose. You created them, Father, with greatness to live for you and to tell others for you, just like that little lady did in the sewing factory to my grandmother. She planted a seed of salvation. And Father, I cover these precious people with my love and my faith and my prayers. I declare, Father, that their children and their children's children will serve you all the days of their life. For your word says the the seed of the righteous is blessed. And I pray for them and the next generation and into the next generation and into the next generation, Father. And on and on and on that your word would not diminish, that Christian godly character would not diminish, 
that pursuit and passion for the things of God would not diminish, but they would increase each generation. And that the anointing and the power of God would increase each generation, Father, until you return. And Father, for those that are here today that maybe don't have children that are home and they don't know where they are, Father, I send out your angels today to go forth and to bring those children home. No matter what age they are, bring them home. Bring them home. Protect them. Thank you for angelic assistance to all that pertains to us. Bring our children home. Our arms are wide open and our hearts are open. Father, we hear, we hear your mandate today to bring all things home once again. All hearts come home. Others may live frivolously, we may not. Others may fight with their family, we may not. We fight for our families. And so Father, from this chair that has had thousands and thousands of hours prayed out of it, I pray today for my church family and I speak a blessing over each one of them. Long life, health, joy and peace and answered prayer. I bless them now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray you receive that blessing today. For those of you that are here today and listening online or even watching later on, if you don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about, if you don't know this Jesus that my grandmother's heart longed for, that she passed on to her daughter and her daughter passed on to me and I'm passing on to my children and this Jesus that's being passed on to my grandchildren, and you will pass it on and on and on to your children and the legacy will continue. If you don't know this Jesus, I invite you today. He loves you. He gave himself for you. There is a hell to shun. It's real people, but there is a heaven to gain. And you gain heaven by receiving Jesus into your heart. He will cleanse you from all of your sins and he will remember them no more. And you have the promise of heaven for eternity. Let us all pray this together. Would you repeat after me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my heart. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Father. I'll live my life for you and give glory to you. Today, I choose life. Today, I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you.